You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the Ten Commandments, now looking at the Ninth Commandment. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. The Ninth Commandment. In our series so far, we've dissected four God-directed commandments and four others-directed commandments. Today, we're going to look at the fourth in the series of four short commandments, six, seven, eight, and nine, which are bedrock principles in all stable societies. Of course, we're not trying to simply recreate human culture at the level of uh, some lowest common uh, denominator. Not at all. For God's people are called to go beyond the minimum. We're to be holy, Deuteronomy 7, Exodus 19, just the chapter before the Ten Commandments. We're called to be holy, so we should never be looking at this as a list of rules or as a list of uh, minimum requirements, because that's the wrong heart. The text, I must admit, baffled me. Exodus 20, verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Or in the older versions, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I remember hearing that in confirmation class. Well, even younger, uh, when I was a a little boy, as the spiritual uh, inner life was starting to be developed, I had no idea what it meant. And there's a reason for that. It's legalese. Let me explain that in a moment or two. Uh, Later, when I was in the confirmation classes, age 10, and then stopped, and then we moved, and I started again when I was 12, I still didn't know. I I knew it was something basic, but false testimony, you know, I I guess I assumed I was innocent since I didn't know what it meant. Well, what does it mean, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor? It's pretty clear that the text has a forensic setting, a court of law is in view. Bearing false witness happens when we're uh, initiating an accusation or supporting an accusation against someone else. Ah, Exodus 23 sheds some light on this. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, Do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd, and do not show favoritism to a poor man in his lawsuit. So there's a forensic setting. Sometimes we're tempted to side with the underdog, and sometimes we're tempted to side with the the powerful. Now, there's no doubt that there there are plenty of uh, lawsuits in process in the Bible Uh, We read about lawsuits where the the rich are trampling the poor. One of the most flagrant examples is when Ahab, through the encouragement of his wife Jezebel, uh, brings a a bogus suit against Naboth because he he wants Naboth's land. And Naboth is executed, and Ahab gets the land. This was uh, extremely um, evil uh, to do, and, and God definitely notices when That kind of corruption takes place. The New Testament refers to that. The prophets often refer to that. So usually it's the poor man being taken advantage of, but not necessarily. And and, in truth, because it's so common, 
we may simply uh, be prejudiced against the rich man. But maybe he's not done anything wrong. And that's why this strange verse, Exodus 23.3, is there, not to show favoritism to a poor man. You know, it, it's wrong both ways. But we shouldn't think that this is just a mere demand for technical truthfulness. Okay, if it's ever time to bear witness, I'll, right, I'll, I'll be honest. I won't go the wrong way. Now, I, I think, again, that's the wrong way to look at the commandments, as though it's just a list of, of minimum requirements. Rather, through the commandments, we see something of God's holiness. And through the commandments, we see something of the character to which God is calling us. I think of Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous. If I paused it right there, we might be thinking, oh, what chance do I have? You have to be blameless. And who's righteous? No one's righteous. But in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, that's not the way those words are used. Righteous means living an upright life. It has more to do with honesty, integrity. Blameless doesn't mean perfect. Blameless means there are no charges people can make that would stick. Noah was blameless in his generation, though we know he had a problem with alcoholism right after the flood. So the word blameless doesn't mean perfect. So let's, uh, you know, the, the key to understanding any passage is to read around it, to read the context. So I'm going to go back to Psalm 15, and this time listen to how the passage itself clarifies what is meant by righteous. Lord, who may live on your holy hill? He who walks blameless and does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man. Right now, now we're understanding what it means to be blameless, to be righteous. And the first thing that Psalm 15 focuses on is our tongue. Not just what we say, but especially what we say as it affects others. And this is not possible. To, to live this kind of blameless and holy life is not possible without God, without a right understanding of, of, of what God wants, which is not just the minimum. He wants our heart. He wants all of us. He wants to, us to be holy. And this is the key to understanding the commandments. Now, we can extend the principle, but we start with the original context, which is not going along with the jury. Don't just side with the jury just because all the other guys think a certain way, and you're hungry, and you want to get home. No, don't side with the crowd, whether on account of peer pressure or apathy, or maybe you're just prejudiced against the rich, or you're prejudiced against the poor. You want to get revenge. Uh, we're just lazy thinkers. No, don't go along with the crowd. And that, that principle itself, Exodus 23.1, has a, quite a wide application from, from peer pressure to um, just social trends. Remember, Christianity is countercultural. We're, we're actually to think critically about the crowd. We're to think theologically about issues. Anyway, original context, don't just go along with the jury. We can only be certain of our broader applications of biblical principles when we've established the meaning of the passage through carefully studying the original context. 
Does that make sense? So we look at the context, we see it's forensic. Now we can broaden a little bit. The commandment prohibits us from hurting others with our words. Now sometimes the truth hurts. I'm not talking about that. But let this text govern our interpretation. Think of bearing false witness. When we generate or spread or in any way further or in our technological age forward rumors, that's, that's wrong. We mustn't do that. So much popular level political discussion is not only flawed, but prejudiced. People make the most, I'm talking about Christians, make the most outlandish accusations against men and women in the public arena. They don't know those people. Are we taking part in bearing such witness, and I put that in quotes, witness against our our fellow man? Surely that's something Christians should keep a distance from. Gossip. Even if it's not incorrect, well, it's true. She did run away with, with that guy's uh, wife. <laughs> okay. Even if it's true, gossip may harm our neighbor. Plus, it may be none of our business. Paul uh, is thinking about the Decalogue in Romans 13, where we read the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, 9 to 11. What Paul says there really makes me think. So first it sounds like the silver rule, sometimes called the negative golden rule. Well, as long as we don't hurt anyone, we're okay. Well, we know that Jesus called us to the golden rule. It's not a passive, I'll mind my business and not hurt anyone. No, it calls us to an act of involvement with others, um, actively initiating, doing to others what we would have them do to you. So we know that Paul's not contradicting Jesus. But notice the angle at which he looks at this. Love does no harm to its neighbor. It's not just that love does good and intends well for its neighbor. It does no harm. Well, bearing false witness harms the neighbor. Well, so does adultery, murder, stealing, and, and other violations of God's holy law. We hurt people. And it's not just on a witness stand or in a jury uh, probably most of you listening to this have never been on a jury. I've never been on a jury. A number of times I was called up, but it just never worked out. You may never have been in a courtroom or serving on a jury, but in a way, we all sit in a courtroom judging the validity of ideas and perhaps uh, casting aspersions on the character of our fellow man if we're not careful. Gossip. And again, gossip doesn't need to be false to qualify as gossip. It may be exactly true. Misrepresentation. Failing to check sources, which often is behind that. I think we can broaden the principle even further. We've gone from the courtroom to general forms of speech that hurt others. But think of what God is looking for, the integrity and the heart. And then we realize the application to lying How about transparency in business ethics? 
whether it's the annual report or how you label your products, how you advertise. Shading the truth. Well, I didn't technically lie. Yes, but you left a false impression. You were disingenuous. You hoped that people wouldn't ask about this or that, and so you said these things to throw them off the track. Excuse-making. Not all excuse-making is wrong. Sometimes there is a valid excuse. But you know what I mean. When it's a cover-up for sin, that's not right. And so that's the way we approach the Ninth Commandment. Looking at the context, broadening the application, and continuing to extend it as long as we're faithful to the Bible. And we see that, oh, this is not just something, check, I've done that, I've never borne false witness, I'm in the clear. No, this is something that challenges us to, us to the core. It calls us, reminds us of holiness. And this is what God is looking for. That is the righteous living to which God's holy law calls all of us. Next time, we'll finish the series as we study the Tenth Commandments, step back and look at all of them uh, with a fresh perspective. I look forward to you tuning in. We hope you enjoyed Doug. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry.